very early the first day of the week, just after sunrise, in other words, as a new day was dawning, and they had no idea just how, how new uh, that day of life was about to be. They're on their way to the tomb, and they ask each other, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. No kidding, right? Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell the disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Uh, Matthew says that the women left and ran quickly and that they were filled with great joy. Uh, Long ago, that is what they felt like when it happened. And that is how we should feel today because what the resurrection meant for them, it still means for us today. I think I'm getting a text. I really am. The grave is empty. (laughs) It didn't say that, but there really was a text (laughs) vibrating on my phone. I just, Cole, he's still alive. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, we are so grateful, Lord, that you love us. We're so grateful, God, that we get to celebrate the fact that that we serve and we worship our risen Savior. And Father, I pray that in our time together this morning, you would just open up our hearts and minds and that we will receive from you what you have for us. Father, I pray that you remove all distractions and all obstacles, Lord, that you would enable me to say what you want me to say in the way that you would, that you would have me say it. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. Now, I don't know if you noticed or not, but I kind of have this door just leaning over the side there. And Now, whenever you walk through a door, you're going from one place to another. And, and as you walk through a door, you, you, are, you are filled with different kinds of emotions depending on what is on the other side of the door. I, I mean, when you walk through some doors, you walk through them with the, with the sense of excitement and anticipation and joy. And some other doors that you walk through, you maybe have anxiety or fear. It all depends, again, on what's on the other side of the, of the door. And I, I want you to think about the various doors that you walk through on a regular basis. And I want you to think about the emotions that walking through these doors create within you. All right? You ready? Okay, so, so what kind of emotions, and I want you to picture these doors, what kind of emotions do you feel when you walk through the door of, of your home, uh, the door of your room? When you walk through the door of a movie theater or a sports arena or the door of your favorite restaurant and you have a $200 gift card, that makes it better, uh, a lot better. When you walk through the door of your best friend's house or you walk through the door of your school or the door of your work or the door of the class that you don't like all that much or you walk through the door of your boss's office, what emotions do you feel? When you walk through the door of a shopping mall, I feel like I need oxygen, right? I I swear to you, man, like 30 minutes in a mall, I'm about ready to code, right? It just sucks the life out of me. Uh, What about when you walk through the door of your dentist's office, right? 
And that depends, right? And whether you're flossing regularly, right, and brushing twice a day. And, and, and what about when you walk through the doors of a, of a church? And, in fact, what emotions did you feel when you walked through the doors of this church a few moments ago? I mean, did you feel a sense of excitement, anticipation because it's Easter, Resurrection Sunday, and Jesus is alive? Or, or did you feel a little uneasy because maybe this is your first time in Maple Grove and you didn't know what to expect? Uh, what's the music like? You know, are the people going to be nice? Right? Are they going to make me do something weird? All right? All visitors, please stand up and would you share with us your, your biggest sin struggle? Okay? <laughs> no. Not going to do that. Is the, you know, is the pastor going to be stupid and funny looking? Hey, I'm not stupid, all right? <laughs> now, the reason I chose the door as a, as a prop this Easter is because when you think about it, Easter is all about a door. You see, 2,000 years ago, God the Son walked through the door of human history, leaving behind all the glories of heaven and putting on finite, frail, fragile human flesh. And he walked into history, to, into his story. And really, that's what history is, right? It is his story. In the beginning, capital G, God created capital E, everything. And from that time, he's been holding everything together. And since the dawn of creation, the overriding theme of human history has been God's passionate pursuit of a prodigal people. It has been God doing whatever it takes to win people back to himself. And on that Easter weekend, that doing whatever it takes led to a cross, to a tomb, and to a, a resurrection. And here we are, 2,000 years later, right, in Charlottesville, Virginia, joining 2.3 billion people around the world celebrating Jesus, celebrating who he is, celebrating what he did for me, for you, for us, for the world he so loved. And now, here's my intent, my, my goal for everybody in this room uh, this morning, um, is for you, and I got to be honest, when I, when I was hanging out with God this morning, it's like, like this is my Easter, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I really think God has something he wants to say to me, and you guys feel free to listen in, all right? You know, I, I, my goal for me is to experience and to, to savor his resurrection, to savor his sacrifice uh, like never before. Get it? Good. Don't be alarmed. He said, you're looking for Jesus and Nazarene who was crucified. He's risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. Again, they, they were looking for Jesus who, who was crucified. Jesus who was arrested, bound, beaten, bruised, battered, mocked, insulted, punched, beard ripped out by the handful. They were looking for Jesus who was scourged 39 times with the Roman whip filled with lead and broken pieces of pottery. They were looking for Jesus who was stripped naked, nailed to a cross, suspended for six hours. They were looking for Jesus who bowed his head at 3 p.m. and shouted, it is finished, into your hands, I commit my spirit. They were looking for Jesus who was crucified, but the crucifixion, that was, that was Friday. And, and listen, from the very moment the Roman soldier pounded the first nail into the flesh of God, Sunday was coming. And on Sunday, Jesus burst forth from the grave with great power. 
Yes, the grave is empty. He is risen. April, April fools, Satan. April, April fools, Pilate. April, April fools, religious leaders in the world. He's alive. And our enemies, death, sin, and the grave, have been utterly and completely and forever defeated. Amen? Okay. Look three people in the eye and get up if you have to do it and slap them a high five and say, happy, happy Easter. <laughs> happy, happy Easter. 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 Okay. Don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus. The Nazarene was crucified. He's risen. He's not here. Now, now understand that, that, that what happened on that first Easter weekend, the arrest, the beatings, the trial, the crucifixion, the death, the resurrection, Jesus said they were going to happen. In fact, when Jesus came into Jerusalem for the first time after overturning the money changers, he, he said this, destroy this temple and I will raise it up in three days. And he said in Matthew chapter 12 to some religious leaders who were all bent out of shape because he cast out a demon, he said this, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And as Jesus prepared to go to Jerusalem for the very last time, he, he said in Matthew 16 that, that, he, that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law. And they must be killed. And the third day be raised to life. You see, from the beginning of his ministry to the end of his ministry, Jesus said that he would suffer, that he would die, and that he would rise again. And he also said that his resurrection would be irrefutable, undeniable proof that Jesus was exactly who he said he was. God in the flesh, the bread of life, the great I am, the light of the world, the Savior, Shepherd, King. Check out these words that Paul penned to the, the church in Rome in Romans chapter 1, verse 4, he was declared to be God's son with great power by rising from the dead. Listen, his resurrection is meant to remove any doubt whatsoever as to who Jesus is. And so Maple Grove, I, I, I declare to you today, based on the authority of the word of God, the testimony of human history, and the empty tomb, that the Jesus that you love, that you serve, and that you worship, that the Jesus you came here to honor and celebrate today, he's not just a nice guy, he's not just a good teacher, he's not just a man, but that he is God. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the creator of all that we see. Jesus is all-powerful, and he's all-knowing. Jesus has always been, and Jesus will always be. He is the King of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. He is before all things. He is over all things, and Jesus holds all things together. And listen, if he can hold this universe together, then he can hold our, our lives together. Jesus is huge. Jesus is holy. He's God. And because he's God, it means that 
That Jesus has all the answers. It means that, that Jesus can deliver what he promises. It means that Jesus can bring peace to any conflict. That Jesus can conquer any problem. That he can overcome any situation. That, that he can calm any storm. That he can defeat any enemy. It means that what Jesus said is true. And that what Jesus said he would do, he will do. It's Maple Grove. It's Easter 2018. The grave is empty. He's risen. And he's alive. And, and, and he wants you to come alive. And in fact, he said in John 10, 10, I've come that, that you may survive and gut it out until you die. No. He didn't say that. I've come that they may have life. Have it to the full. Some versions say, have life abundantly. You see, Jesus wants you to live a full life. He, he wants you to, to live an abundant life, a passionate life, a purposeful life. One in which you're fully alive. However, a lot of people, uh, maybe even a few in this very room, are not fully alive. Truth be told, there are a lot of people who are just going through the motions, existing, not, not really living. I, I mean, th they're in the survival mode. They're, they're, they're just barely hanging on. They're, they're trying to get through the day, right? A, a day that seemed an awful like, an awful, yes. <laughs> I love to know what she's saying right now. <laughs> you got to watch her sometime. I get dizzy, right? A day that seems hauntingly like every other day. I get up, go to work, come home, I eat, go to bed, and I wake up, and I do the whole thing over and over again. Why is that? Why are so many people not experiencing the full life that Jesus Christ bought for them on a cross 2,000 years ago? Well, to see why you and I settle for less than God's best, we got to go all the way back to the very first couple, Adam and Eve. Now, now Adam and Eve, they, they lived in a perfect world. They lived in a garden paradise. And not only that, they had an up-close and personal relationship with God. I mean, God would come and hang out with them. He would throw steaks on the grill as they watched March, March Madness together, right? And I know that's the theology. There was not a lot of other people around, but you get my point. And God said, you know what, all these doors that I've created are open to you. You can walk through any door you want and enjoy everything that's on the other side. In fact, there's only one door that is forbidden. You're not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so what do they do? <laughs> they go straight for that door, right? They go straight for that forbidden fruit. They take a bite and they mess up everything. Now, they did have some help, you know, going through that door. And so do we. You see, we battle the same enemy they battle, right? An enemy that appeared to them as a, in a form of a serpent, an enemy that Scripture describes as a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, right? As an angry dragging. An enemy who Though Jesus wants to give us a full and abundant life, an enemy who wants to kill, steal, or destroy that abundant life. 
Adam and Eve chose the forbidden door. They chose the forbidden fruit, and, and so do we. I, I understand. When we choose to walk through the forbidden door, a, a wall is created between us and God, a, a wall between God's perfection and our imperfection, a wall of sin and guilt and separation. And you see, and we all have the same problem. We, we all fall short. Yes, we all, by the choices that we make to go through the forbidden door, we all build walls between us and God, right? Like, like, like here's this door where we can have this relationship with God, and, and then we build walls, you know, walls for every, every time we, we lost our temper, right? You know, walls for, for every time we, we, we broke a promise, walls for every time that we chose to, to give up our purity, Walls for every time that we chose to, to hang on to bitterness rather than to forgive. Walls for all the years that we, we live with the wrong priorities. Walls for every time that we, every time that we, every time that we lied. Every time that we, we chose to live a selfish life. And after a while, the, the wall begins to get pretty high. And David said this in in Psalm 40, verse 12, maybe you felt this way before. He said, my sins pile up so high, I can't see my way out. They outnumber the hairs on my head. And this wall separates us from God. Isaiah said this, your sins are a roadblock between you and your God. It, it, it separates us from God. It it separates us not just from God, but it, it separates us from the life that God has for us, this abundant, full life. It, it separates us from that life. But the good news of Easter is this. Your guilt, your sin, your failures, your shame are no longer the final word in your life. Amen? Amen? Because Jesus, through his death, burial, and resurrection, right, he defeated sin, he conquered the grave, he paid our debt in full. You know what else he did? This is always fun to do. Oh, my toe. I was waiting to do that all week. He, he kicked down the wall. And he opened up the door that brought us back to himself. And Jesus shouted out again and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. You see, we build walls and Jesus knocks down walls and he opens up doors. And what I want to talk about in our time remaining this morning of Easter 2018, I, I want to talk about three doors that Jesus opened up for us, the door of forgiveness, the door of restoration, and the door of hope, and a conversation that I'm calling, Savoring His Sacrifice and Salvation. Now, savor is a pretty awesome word. Here's some definitions. To enjoy and experience activity or feeling as much as you can and for as long as you can. Bill savored the view as he cruised along the coastline. Can't you just see Bill? 
savor, to enjoy the flavor of something as much as you can by eating or drinking it slowly. I sip my coffee, savoring every mouthful. This week I looked up some pictures of people savoring. Here's one, right? Oh, man. She is savoring right there, y'all. Oh, he's, I don't know what that is, but he's savoring it, right? Ah, <laughs> I love it. She's savoring. She's savoring. Savoring that swing. There you go, right? That's a savor right there, isn't it? Man, savoring the moment, right? We, we want to savor this moment. Let's take a picture. Let's frame it in our hearts and minds. Your dad is back home. And one thing I like to savor, I, I like to savor the beach that God created. And I can savor that thing all day. Now, I have an Easter tradition. And to help some of you guys savor, I throw out candy on Easter, right? Some of you know, right? Some of you getting ready. All right. I got a bunch of peeps here. I'm just, hey, and protect your neighbor, right? I had a pitching, I set up a pitching machine one time years ago, and I was winging wiffle balls, <laughs> and dude, I nailed a guy right in the head. I felt so bad, right? This is like a womb, right? So please protect your neighbor. There we go. All right. Oh, all right, all right, all right. Peanut M&M A coming. Oh, Whoa. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play center field. All right. I got a solid milk chocolate bunny right here. Not those hollow kind. All right. I got two more things to toss. I got a, uh uh-oh, chocolate peanut butter bunny. (laughs) Who likes peanut butter? I want to get it right in the middle, people. I want to see a scrum. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. All right. And, and this is right here, this is one of those, it's a, I can never say that, the L-I-N-D-T chocolate. <laughs> this is the gold bunny right here. But before that comes the peeps. <laughs> All right. And the gold bunny goes to... <laughs> all right all right all right see and feel free to open these up and do some savoring uh, nothing but sugar but they're still good they're still good like I said uh, Jesus wants you to come alive and I don't have other way of saying it, but just to say it, my experience in church as a Jesus follower that in a place where I should see a whole bunch of people that are fully alive, like that guy in Sixth Sense, little boy, you know what I see? I, I see dead people, right? I, I, I still see people who are, are living so far short of the life that Jesus has called them to live and you know, the question is, like, why is that, right? What's the problem? What's going on? I mean, Jesus died. He already paid the debt that we owe, and it's a twofold problem. Number one, some of us, even though we may attend church regularly, we have never actually walked through the door of 
forgiveness, the door of restoration, or the door of hope. Other of us, maybe we walk through, but you know what? We're not savoring it. You know, we're not savoring. We're not back there going like, man, I'll tell you what. I'm so glad I walked through that door. It is just some, anyone with the rest. Of, <laughs> now my hands are all sticky. It's a tradition to throw out candy. And what I want to talk about really briefly is that Jesus has, is inviting everyone in this room, some of you to walk through those doors for the first time, and some too who have walked through, man, like, why did you walk through and not enjoy it? <laughs> why did you walk through the door and you're not savoring all that's there, enjoying everything you can, getting every bit out of it for as long as you can? Let's talk about the, the door of, of forgiveness. I understand we all need God's forgiveness because we all sin and we all fall short of God's glory. Romans 3, 23 says, for all sin and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us, right? And then Romans 6, 23 says that the wages of sin is, is what? It, it's death. It's, and, and death means separation, Right? Physical death is separation of our spirit from our body. Spiritual death is separation of our spirit from God forever. And the penalty, the cost for our sin is death. Separated from God forever. That's the bad news. The good news is the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And and you know, if anybody ever needed to know that the door of of, God Forgiveness had been open, you know it was? It was a weary, guilt-ridden, sun-weary fisherman named Peter. Right? I mean, he was there when the two Marys came running back. Whoa, 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 slow down, slow down. What are you saying? What are you saying? And then Peter's like, whoa, whoa, stop a minute. Are you sure that's what he said? Yes, Peter. He said, go tell the disciples and Peter. And I got to tell you, those two words to Peter must have been like cool water flowing down his weary soul. And I mean, it's as if all heaven had watched Peter fall and all heaven could not wait till Peter got back up again. Go tell the disciples and make sure Peter knows that he's still in this game. That three strikes and you're not out as long as you choose not to be out. And so somewhere, um, maybe by the... Jordan River, or, or maybe on a dirt road outside the city, the important thing is not where it happened, but that it did happen. And Paul actually says in 1 Corinthians 15, 5, Jesus appeared to Peter and then to the 12. And, and we don't have any details of the meeting. You know, I, I kind of just pictured this way, that, that Peter is just like, man, he's just bummed. He's just, he's just bummed. Totally bummed, head in his hands, can't believe it. I mean, he has such high standards for himself. And, and he fell short. And he's thinking it's over, man. There's no way. Not, there's no way I could ever be forgiven for this. And I just picture him there. He's crying. He's weeping. He's distraught. And he suddenly he feels a hand on his shoulder. And his heart nearly stops when he turns and sees that the hand on his shoulder is pierced. And as Jesus has his hands on the shoulder, I just have always pictured Jesus saying, 
Because Peter's crying now. It's all right, Peter. It's all right. It's all right, Peter. Look at me, Peter. Peter, Peter, look at me. Peter, these scars. Peter, Peter, they're for you. Look at them, Peter, they're for you. These wounds, Peter, they're for you. They're for the forgiveness of your sins. Not about you, but I've been where Peter was more times than I cared to count. And that's why I love Easter Sunday. Well, every Sunday, every day. But Easter Sunday is this huge reminder that the door to forgiveness is open. That forgiveness is available. That one, two, three, four, 70 times 70 failures and it's not final. That it's not about my denials. It's about his death, right? It's not about what I do or don't do. It's about what Jesus Christ has already done. The forgiveness was open. And Paul said this when he preached in Antioch. Therefore, my dear friends, I want you to know that through Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. I want you to know, I don't care who you are, I don't care what you did. Where you been? I want you to know that the forgiveness of sins is available to you. That you can be forgiven for all your sins. That Jesus wants to pay all your debt, every bit of it. Every single bit. And God actually chose Peter to be the one to deliver the first gospel message. And when he delivered that message, the people were convicted of who Jesus was. And Peter said in Acts 2.38, after they said, okay, we really messed up, killed God's son, what should we do? Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And John tells us in 1 John, what we do as Christians when we sin. I don't know about you. I, I was baptized in 79. I, can't t- I think I've sinned a whole lot since 1979. What do I do when I sin? Well, if we confess our sins, agree with God, that's a sin. It's wrong. I shouldn't be doing those things. He will forgive us from all our sins, purify us from all unrighteousness. Have you walked through the door of forgiveness, right? And, and, and are, are you savoring it, right? I mean, do you savor the fact that you're forgiven? I, I love this passage here in Romans. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiving, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. I mean, do you enjoy it? Like, hey, you know, are, are, do you just savor it? Like, I'm forgiven. I'm free. There's no condemnation. There's no burden. My record is clear. Jesus paid it all. He paid it in full. I pay nothing. I mean, you just savor that. I think part of the reason you and I go back to sinning is because we don't savor enough our forgiveness. Like, hey, I am forgiven. Yeah, everything. Every bad thought, every bad action, I'm forgiven and I'm free. There's two more doors. The next is the door of restoration. And, and, and you see, God wants to do more than just save you, as awesome as that is. He wants to restore you. You see, we were created in the image of God, right? And that, that image got distorted, but we were intended to be a picture, a portrait, a reflection of God. And sin kind of distorted that image when Jesus died and rose again and our sins are forgiven, God puts his spirit inside of us, right? And he wants to restore us to, to the person that we always wanted to be, to live the life that we we're created to live, 
to, to live a life that, see, here, here's something I'm, I'm convinced of, and I've done this the last few weeks. I might as well keep up. Yeah. I look at the clock in my notes and say, dude, you got you to gotta jam a little bit. You got to freestyle it, right? <laughs> but here's what I'm convinced of. There is a life that God created me to live. That God had thoughts, dreams, and intentions when, I, when he knit me in Ruth Malone's womb, right? In 1959 and 1960. When he breathed life into me. Dreams, intentions, right? And I do not want to leave this planet without living that life. Without fulfilling his dreams and desires that God has for me. I want you to know, you're not an accident. God has dreams and desires for you, right? We've got a lot of moms and dads, right? You have dreams and desires for your children, don't you, right? Well, God has the same for you, right? God wants to restore you to who you're always meant to be. And Christ Scripture says, right, you know, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. You are a new creation. Ephesians 2.10, that we are his masterpiece, created anew in Christ Jesus through good works which he prepared in advance for us to do. And, and, and now, now, how does this restoration happen? Not by trying harder, but by drawing closer. See, sometimes in my life, I, I see this gap. Not the store in the mall. I don't go to malls because it sucks the oxygen out of me, remember? <laughs> but there, there's this gap between, like, here's who I am when I look in the mirror, <laughs> and who's who, here's who God wants me to be. And sometimes I think my gap's getting smaller. And sometimes that sucker looks like the Grand Canyon and growing, right? And, and, and I can be, and it kind of bums me out. And, and, and there's times I, I go to Jesus, I don't know how to close this gap. What do I do? How do I do this? And Jesus, I remember one time clearly said, not audibly said, I am the way, the truth, and life. I close it. You don't try harder, just hang with me. <laughs> just hang with me in, in, in my word. Just allow your spirit Allow my spirit to work in you. You see, the Christian life, sometimes we think it's a rowboat, right? And we're just, we're rowing, rowing, rowing. I got to get to the other side. It's not a rowboat. It's a sailboat. And the Holy Spirit's the wind. We just raise the sails, right? And some of you, like me, we're just rowing. I got to get there, I get there. I still, man, I still stink so bad. I'm such a screw up. I'll never get this right. Uh, We got blisters on our hand. It's not a rowboat. Restoration is not about rowing. It's about drawing closer to God. It's about having that life change relationship with Jesus, right? You know, do you savor the fact that you can be a different person, right? You know why? You got God's spirit if you're a believer, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faith, and self-control. If those are more developed in your life, would, you, like, would your life be better? Would you be much more happier, right? Well, that door is open, right? And God wants us to walk through it. And he wants us to savor it. Finally, it's this, it's this last door. And it's the door of, door of hope. Uh, Peter wrote to Christians who were being persecuted. Praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's giving us new birth into a what? A living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And I hope that's alive. And you know, how's your hope today? I mean, 
I mean, the last week, are you more hopeful about your life or less hopeful, right? And, and here's the problem. It's where we put our hope, right? And, and our world teaches us to put hope in all the wrong things. In a, in a relationship, in a husband, a wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, and her kids, in a job, in a career, in her intellect, right? In her health. And all these things that can be here today and gone tomorrow. Uh, the psalmist said this, you know, I love this. I think it's coming. I love my, my guy doing the slides because I'm all over the place. Max is crushing it. Thomas is talking to himself. Why are you downcast, oh my soul? Why so disturbed? Why am I so bummed out? Why do I always say, I hate my life? I hate it. Why? And he does some self-talk. Then he says this. I love it. He answers his own question. Oh, <laughs> put your hope in God. You've been putting your hope in all the wrong things. You've been putting your hope in, 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 in quicksand. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. You see, Jesus wants us to have hope. He, he said to his guys, and we're about through, but please hear me. On the way to his arrest, you know this, but hear it again. Has life ever been hard for you? Have things like not worked out the way you wanted them to? Has your heart ever been troubled by what's going on in your life? Well, Jesus knew his guys were, talk about troubled, right? They, they knew that, this, man, you're going to leave. We're here by ourselves. They hate you. They're going to hate us. They're going to kill you. They're going to kill us. What are we going to do? How's that? What do we? And here's what Jesus says to them. And, and, and some of you, I think he's saying it to you. And you can put your own name in there. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. My Father's house are many rooms. If we're not so, I, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. And, and what he's saying is, you know, guys, there's something going on more than what you can just see. And there's something going more on more than just what's at ground level. There, there's a higher story. There's, a, there's an upper story. And this upper story right now for Jesus followers, you know, Jesus, the master carpenter, right, creator of all things, is preparing a place for you, right? And, and one day he's going to come back and get you to take you to be with him forever in this mind-blowing world, right? Mind-blowing, right? I mean, you take your best day and multiply it by a quadrillion, right? And you're not even close. It's going to blow your mind. Every day's better than the last, right? It's this incredible world. Everything that gets you down, discourages you, beats you up, it won't be there, right? And you'll never sin again. That's awesome, right? You'll never sin again. Because the last time you fall will be when you fall before him in worship saying, I'm so glad to be home finally with you, Jesus. And so we're to have this living hope because we know, hey, it's more than what I can see. Because if this was as good as it gets, it ain't so good. And sometimes it's really, really tough. But when I know where I'm going, and when I savor the fact that when, when I set my sights on heaven, when I set my sights on this perfect world, when I set my sights on this place where 
you know, five trillion years from now, right? It's going to be incredible. And 10 trillion years from then, it's going to even be better and better and better. It's like, okay, I can deal with this. I can deal with this because my, my, my hope is not here. My hope is in something that lasts forever and ever. So these doors, they've been open, right? For me and for you. You know, during the uh, time when Andrew Jackson was president, uh, there, there was a, and here I'm going to have to get the exact quote here. Raise up my little stand smoothly. You guys don't notice I'm turning pages, right? Okay, good. And, and, and there was a postal worker named George Wilson who robbed a payroll train and killed a guard and was sentenced to death. And, and uh, a lot of people were against capital punishment even then, and a lot of people wanted to see if Andrew Jackson would pardon this man, and he got a pardon. But George Wilson, you know what he did? He refused to pardon. And the warden's like, okay, what do I do? <laughs> like, am I allowed to hang a guy who's been pardoned? So it goes all the way up to the Supreme Court. And Chief Justice John Marshall handed down the court's decision. A pardon is a parchment whose only value must be determined by the receiver of the pardon. It has no value apart from that which the receiver gives to it. George Wilson has refused to accept the pardon. <laughs> we cannot conceive why he would do this, but he has. Therefore, George Wilson must die. And the punishment was carried out, and George Wilson was hung, all the while a pardon sat on the warden's desk. You know, why he would do this, we cannot conceive why. Jesus is alive. He kicked the wall that separated us from himself, from ourselves and God. And Jesus has opened up the door of forgiveness, restoration, and hope. And why anyone, right? Why anyone would refuse to walk through. I don't know. I mean, if you're here today and you've never surrendered to Christ, repented of your sins, been baptized, and, and you believe in him, why you would refuse, I, I don't know. And, and why we would refuse to savor that and savor the fact that he paid it all, not me, that we pay nothing. I mean, when I pay off a bill, I don't send, well, I've sent in a few checks by accident. They're like a doctor, you're paying off. You know what they usually, what, what happens a little while later, they send what? I check back. Hey, dude, you already paid this. You can't pay more. See, I can't pay anything. You know, and why we wouldn't savor that and why we keep trying to earn our forgiveness, why we keep trying to pay for our sins. I messed up last week. What am I going to do this week so God will love me, right? No, savor your forgiveness. You're saved because of him. And why we would choose just to be the same old whatever, <laughs> When we could be something better, something beautiful that reflects his glory, I, I, I wouldn't know. And, and why we would want to put our hope here. Why I put my hope here. Why I don't savor my restoration like I should. And why I don't savor my forgiveness. Well, I sometimes think I got to earn it. Yeah, I think that God loves me when I'm doing good. And, you know, 
this Easter, I'm choosing to savor. <laughs> I'm going to savor my forgiveness. I am free. I am forgiven. Jesus paid it all. I don't owe a stinking thing. And I'm just going to try to love him with my life the best that I can. And you know what? I don't have to be the same idiot I am. I can be less, less of an idiot next week than I am this week, right? I can be something different. I can be something better because of his spirit. I'm going to savor that. I don't have to do it on my own. I don't have to row that boat, right, until I'm tired. And you know what? I don't have to put my hope here. I can set my sights there and go, hey, it doesn't matter. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. I, my, my eternity is guaranteed. That's why I'm okay. Because it's not placed here. Father God, we love you. God, we thank you for who you are. And God, whatever door we need to walk through, whatever thing we need to savor, help us to do it. And God, thank you for reminding me that I need to savor more your sacrifice and your salvation. Amen.